Brandon Krostowski. Bingo. Great. Thank you so much for joining us on the Show Me Institute podcast today. Super excited to talk to you. Um, don't tell anyone this, but I would love to go to culinary school more than anything, maybe even more than what I'm doing now. I've never done it, but it doesn't mean I couldn't do it one day. But you are a, uh, a world-renowned chef um, and in Cleveland, right? Mm-hmm. And in addition, you are somebody who has like seen a problem and, and found a solution. You started your own nonprofit for incarcerated and recently incarcerated um, individuals, right? To help yeah. them learn a trade so that when they come out, they can um, uh, emerge back into society and have gainful employment. Can you tell me a little bit about it? It's called Edwin's. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And um, I, would, I just would like to preface this a little bit by saying, you're the third person we've had on this podcast that has like started their own nonprofit. And I'm so inspired by people like you. We had a man who has a ministry that serves homeless that involve um, having them sort of engage in work in order to receive their benefits. And a woman who's working with foster, keeping kids out of the foster system in Florida. And I so applaud you for what you're doing. I think it's um, really cool that you, you know, I, it's a problem and a lot of people don't realize how hard it is if you come out of prison to to get a job. And people think, well, when you're out, get a job. And it's very hard to do, right? Mm-hmm. Because, because they have to, because they uh, are sort of marked as an ex-con, right? Yeah. So what do you do to help them um, as they as they come out of prison? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you know, Edwin's is this... Um six month training program where we're, you know, really geared to train people to the top. You know, it's, it's pretty simple. Um, you know, give someone the, the right training, uh, give the care and support as necessary, and then essentially get out of the way so they can flourish. Uh, sometimes people don't do a good job of getting out of the way. Uh, so for six months, someone's trained here at Edwin's Leadership and Restaurant Institute. It's a fine dining French restaurant, but also functions as a school. And, um, you know, after those six months, you are placed and uh, wherever you want to go, essentially. I mean, we got people across the country that call uh, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, our, our, our grants are in demand. So it's a pretty sweet deal. So that's the simplest form of what it is. At the higher abstract level, you know, we're, we're, we're hope and a way to achieve it. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Edwards is something I started back in, uh, well, I wrote the plan in 2004. Why? Why? What's that? Why? Why did you write the plan? Why? Uh, you know, I, I got in trouble in my life and, you know, I had, had spent some time in jail, got probation instead of a long sentence and found a chef who mentored me. And it got me out of Detroit to, uh, you know, Manhattan, to Paris, to Chicago. I mean, really the world's elite restaurants. And when I heard about people back home getting killed and murdered, put sure. in prison, my thought in 2004 was how do I build this for someone else? Right. And, uh, you know, it took about a decade to really get this thing off the ground the way it is. But, uh, but it works. So I uh, started teaching in prisons in 2011, and that program still stands today. I uh, opened up the Restaurant and Institute in 2013, right? That functions here. We graduated. So your students uh, are, are cooking for the restaurant? Oh, yeah, yeah. You do everything, man. You serve, you bartend, you work pastries, you work the line, you work all the above, plus business basics. Hmm. So you have an understanding of profit and loss statements, uh, safety and sanitation, as well as you know, um, how to make a dollar, right? The yield cost and how you how you mark things up based upon that. So they got a pretty, pretty strong f- foundation in this business and know how to navigate it, which is important because if you don't know how to navigate it, you get oppressed pretty easily. Yeah. Um, and, and also, um, 
you know, you know what you, you know, what you want and what you don't want to do. Right. So it, it serves, right. a, it serves a lot of purposes. Uh, well, not only that, you, you kind of, when you take on a task, you don't think you can do, and you do well at it, you, you grow, you build esteem, you get stronger. And we do that again and again with each position. That's as it's awesome. switched. Um, How many graduates the, would you guess you've had? Uh, we have, uh, we're closing on 500 plus wow. or minus about 500 grads. Okay. And the, um, it's not just the, the education that's offered. That's not what makes us a national model. What really um, hits it out of the park is in 2015, I started housing. So we had a one apartment building, about 20 wow. beds. It's free for students in the program. Then got another house for alumni. You know, it's 200 bucks a month. After you stay for six months, you can get that and stay longer. We have a library, fitness center, basketball court, family housing, kids park. Uh, opened up a bakery in 2018. Wow. The years get mixed up. I think it was 2019 was the bakery. 20, uh, 2018 was the butcher shop. Uh, we have another restaurant across the street during the pandemic. We got busier. So it was time to expand a little bit more. Um, well, I mean, consultant. do you mind my asking, yeah. how, do you fundraise or how? what supports this? Oh, yeah, you better believe it. Smart business is number one. Right. You know, that's what that's what offsets a lot of these costs. But you know, when you're running a school that costs about one and a half million dollars, um, a restaurant won't won't feed that that right. whole hole. So that's where the fundraising comes into into play. Uh, closing on another deal for a second apartment building because we need more housing, especially for families. But the um, the, the exciting news now is this: uh, uh, you know, we're in prisons in, in in Ohio, right? Hands on in one prison, we'll bring the knives in, we'll bring the filet mignon, we'll, we'll do it all in prison. We've branched out to about a dozen. Uh, but now, uh, as of next Monday, we'll be on a half million inmates tablets with a 60 hour curriculum and course. Wow. So that's that's 20 percent of the prison population that will receive uh, a culinary education via a tablet, which is cool. But what's even cooler is the Cleveland Browns, you know, the football team in town have pledged to pay for scholarships to get anyone from where they're at to Cleveland, which is why that other apartment building was also crucial, because we're going to see a pretty big. Um, yeah pretty big increase here locally uh we, look we just hit hard man this isn't brain surgery I mean, did you ever working. see this happening growing this big yeah absolutely you yeah, did. from the beginning yeah from the original plan it's just about excellence you know if you can build the best place for someone to um develop a skill yeah that elite skill is always employable you become a leader an owner etc you hire like you know with the mission that we hire with but sometimes it just takes a little bit more like the housing or the support and um yeah i mean i guess do. You know, what I what I think is that we are I'm a little concerned that right now we're heading into um, a, a time when people are going to become more dependent on government, mm -hmm. government is stimulus funding, you know, as you know, uh, as well as anyone, probably maybe not for you, but has really hurt the restaurant industry in terms of people getting paid more to not work than to work. And I mm -hmm. feel like we're not developing this sense of ownership and responsibility and the freedom that you get from independence. And I would guess that most people come out of prison and they just end up on the government uh, payroll for the most part, right? Mm -hmm. Yes and no. I mean, like, I, well, I couldn't agree with you more that our country is in the worst shape it's ever been. Uh, I, I think that it's to each their own in terms of how they want to they build their future. But sure. most likely, you know, a human being or, you know, even a, a primitive species is going to take the path of least resistance, right? Okay. I mean, this is what you do to survive and to sustain. So there are people who do that, but you know, what we found here is an increase in, in um, people wanting to be in our program. 
simply because of the fact that you're going to have a better future. So maybe it's as an employer, stop looking at this as, you know, here's a something I have to manufacture, whether it's uh, food or an experience or um, a healthcare experience or a banking experience. Instead of manufacturing that first, manufacture and help build someone's life first. Right. And right. the second thing that happens is you happen to do that through whatever business you run in exchange for some sort of, uh, you know, money. But the days of employers not giving, you know, really too about their employees. Right. Uh, if you haven't figured it out, you figured it out, but a lot of people haven't figured it out, they're over. And people can make money anywhere. It's about fulfilling someone's goals in life. And we put that first and foremost. And then second to that is, hey, let's do it through culinary arts and hospitality. That's awesome. And, 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 and everything seems to follow that when you put someone else first. Because the, the restaurant industry hasn't always been known for the best working conditions, right? I, Correct. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think I watched a documentary about Danny Myers and when he stopped letting his um, employees take tips. But I didn't realize like between the back of the house and the front of the house, how there was such an uneven system of power and how actually too, like how um, little line cooks make and pastry chefs make, you know, it seems like a lot of people want to go into that field, but it's a tough business, long hours, not good working to conditions, lots of times. So I know that you're also working to, to try yeah. to change that. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like the restaurant business is so similar to like, like Amazon and, the, and, the, and like these other conglomerates where their, their CEOs are making a ton People on the ground floor aren't making a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. You work your tail off in hot environments. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of um, business models. You know, you can you can start naming a few, I'm sure, that really just uh, bend their their staff over and make dollars off. Turn them. through them. Uh, which which look at, I mean, I've been bent over for years making money for others, but I had a pathway of what I wanted to do in my life, and that was you know be the best chef in the world. And then that really changed, like I said, in the, in the early 2000s to become the person who can give a second chance to others. That's awesome. I, I think if you, you know, work as hard as you want, you know, you can do roofing. That's a really tough job carrying yeah. shingles up a ladder. And, and you know, the contractor's making the majority of the dollars. But if your goal is to become a roofer, well, you're going to have to start by doing roofing. And it's not easy. Right. And then you're probably going to start next by maybe understanding how business works. And then at some point, you could become the owner and, and replace that you know, awful boss with the new boss you always wanted to be. Yeah. I, I think the moral of the story is equip someone with a, a skill and control of what they want to do. Yeah. Right. And really start to change the way this machine is built. Some people say the whole industry should be blown up. Really? Uh, I, or any industry. I mean, healthcare is, is notorious for burning out their employees and doctors scolding their, their staff. And for sure. And, you know, you see a certain type of person pushing a wheelchair and then a certain type of person using a stethoscope, right? That's right. Um, I think it's just disassembling the machines that we've built across the board mm -hmm. and reassembling with perspectives such as incarceration or such as um, maybe it's a, just a different lens that could mm -hmm. be gender related. It could be mm -hmm. uh, ethnicity related. Yep. That's what this takes. The machine, the machine does work well. It's just... It's a little rusty and archaic and broken in some places. Just replace with new perspectives, but we can't replace these machines if we don't have skill sets and training. That's right. Yeah. Don't you think it's been interesting to see what's happened? I mean, not interesting. It's been super sad in a lot of places where, um, you know, as the shutdown began to end and restaurants wanted to reopen, they didn't have any employees. 
I mean, yeah. I think it's, I mean, I say interesting just because I, I didn't, per, you know, perceive that, but if it wasn't the greatest industry to work in anyway, I can see a lot of people saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to take a break from that one for now. And, but then I also, you know, I spent some time at, in this beach town and it's more crowded than ever. And the restaurants don't have anyone to work in them. You know, they, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's amazing. Isn't it amazing? Cause you think about it. For the most part, the model's been built on a system of tipping, right? Which I don't think is is a bad system. I just think that's the system that we, we've yeah. always run on. And imagine that if customers, what if customers are tipping so much more? Do you think the staffs would want to come back? Yeah. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about now because everyone knows yeah. you're screwed. You're not getting a table. I'm talking about for like the last <laughs> 15 years, how have you treated your server? Yeah. Right. Now, now look at what happens to that person. You probably just like, you know gave a couple of bucks to instead of a couple lot of bucks. Yeah. So I think some of the responsibility can be placed upon uh, society in general, but uh, at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's, it's horrific what's happened to the business. It's, um, it's some people have realized that the time spent that you can't get back in a restaurant is not worth any dollar. Yeah. So the 12 hours in a restaurant, you could pay someone, well, maybe not a million dollars, but you could pay them very yeah, but I well. I think you're exactly right. People are like, it's not worth it. I'm not going to go back to that. You could spend your time being with family or creating memories or just be free. And, and I love this business. I will never get out of this. I love this business. I get up every morning. I love it. I spend a lot of time here. I'm also serving people and not just, you know, flipping yeah. a pancake and making a dollar. But um, I think that a lot of industries went through a, a, a whole new awakening and the restaurant industry at the, it was in the front lines, just getting just obliterated from yeah. you know, draconian practices. It's, it was, it was awful, but you know what? These restaurant owners call me, they call me from the Jersey shore. They call me from central uh, you know, Oklahoma. And I'm like, how have you treated your staff in the last five years? Would you want to come back to you? <laughs> and, and they hate hearing this. And I'm yeah. like, listen, that's what it is, buddy. I'm like, and all of your graduates are, are gainfully employed and out there working and we're over 95%, you know, people are working. If they don't want to work, I mean, yeah, they're not going to yeah. work, but clearly there's plenty of positions available. I just, I just want to see someone go to a place that's going to complete their dream. Yeah. And, and, and recidivism for you is not even really a thing, right? Less than 1%. So we're that's amazing. Yeah. It's pretty good. Uh, I don't know. You know, you know, Suzanne, the whole approach isn't hard to just treat people right. That's right. I know who they are and what they want to do and help get them there. And and you don't have to do it on a scale building, you know, six buildings out for housing and libraries and stuff. But you could certainly within your own organization start to inject perspectives of different cultures and, and backgrounds. And absolutely. You can start to foster the growth of that. And you know what? You might find someone who, who wants to work hard um, and, and learn a skill. And, and there yeah. you go. Yeah, my husband and I participated in a, a program for uh, housing like you have. It's like $200 a month. You have to have a job. You have to pay the $200. But every Friday, people bring in dinner, and, which is great because I like to cook and it's great to bring in dinner. But the best part is to sit down and have dinner with the, the residents of the home. And you learn so much. Yeah. And these people are so interesting. And they're just trying to, in an honest way, get on their feet. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and not through a handout, but you know, it's really hard. It's a really hard thing to do. So I think that organization, this is in St. Louis, is it started with one house. I think they're up to four or five. Like they have more demand for these things than they have housing units, you know. But I I think people like 
inherently understand the value of work and how much better it makes you feel as a person to be paying your own way versus getting a check from the government. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I don't think there's anything fulfilling about just sitting back and, you know, watching the grass grow, making some, you know, it's, you know, we're, we're designed, I think, as, uh, as humans to, to, to do, right. To do, yeah. right. Whatever that made that do is we're designed to do. And, um, something's missing something becomes a real amiss then psychologically emotionally i think you start to see some breakdowns but you know the hardest thing we have to do in these six months right which is about 900 hours of of you know work and and education right it's a lot of time it's um it's really about uh, building esteem uh, into someone who, who's who's yeah. society or incarceration or poverty has ripped away it, it it comes through little victories. There's no fast way. It's little victories. It's understanding. It's understanding oneself. It's trying something doesn't work. Try it again. But it it's not going to happen overnight. A right. And then B, if you if you're not out here doing it, it will never happen. Like if you're not interacting and like growing right. alert. So it just adds to your point of you know you may be surviving, but you're really not living. So then what's next for you? I mean, you're, you're growing into a virtual program and, and the, the uh, inmates who access it virtually, will they be able to do hands-on cooking or? No, no, it would, it's, it's every totally prison, virtual. every prison has their rules. You know, it, I would love it if every prison would let their inmate have a knife and an onion, but <laughs> right. I, I think we're gonna have some issues with that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little bit, but yeah, it's, it's really this idea of visualizing something that, you know, you're, you're, you'll, you'll be able to do studying it, uh, quizzing, quizzing, you know, getting quizzed on it, but knowing at the end of the tunnel is a, is a true light, a real light that, you know, if you want to take advantage of, I mean, you'll, you'll be able to do. If I learned cooking virtually for six months, I'd be dying to get out and cook, right? Like I, I would be so anxious to get out and cook. Yeah. Um, but it is hard. I don't know about the restaurant industry, but it is hard for people who were formerly incarcerated to get a job because you have to say you were formerly incarcerated um, and on lots of job applications. And it can make it really hard to even get the interview. And I think that that's a thing that we could change. We could help people help themselves better. You know, I, I think rather than brandishing them for life mm -hmm. um, and putting them back in the system. And then the, the rate of recidivism is, what it do you know what it is typically if, if yours is less than one percent like 50 percent right yeah nationally is about 46 percent um you know in the state here of ohio we're about 32 33 percent really yeah there's some states like california that's like absolute the worst um and then you have other states that are just like doing really good but uh yeah the whole the whole concept i'm like I'm, i tell people i feel cares my whole life i'm not a complicated guy you know it's like Give some of this opportunity, support, encourage, teach, fall, get up. And, and, you know, over the course of time, you, you will be able to do it because I did it. You know, if yeah, I, had yeah. a I had a mentor. I know that it works. I didn't feel great about myself when I, when I met him, but I, I know through that business, I really gained who I was and what I could do. And look, it led me around the world. I would never thought, you know, being in jail, uh, then going to like working at a Michelin three-star in Paris. Like I'm not thinking like that, but life is funny that way when you work hard and you have a skill. Mm -hmm. That's that's the formula right there. So if people listen to you want to do something like this, well, how do you get started? What do you do first? If, you know, so, yeah, we need true. more of, of you and need more of your program. So what, what would you recommend? So, I mean, I always give this entrepreneurs the same steps. It's the same thing every time. 
So, um, I mean, obviously you have to identify, you know, what it is you want to do, what your calling is. And like, and I, I would strongly advocate that you are a, um, you're very good at what you do. So like, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't try to start. Really helpful. A, yeah. I'm not going to start a plumbing company and train people. I don't know plumbing. Okay. You yeah. need to know the extremities of it. So the first thing is like, you know, get that straight. So step one, write a business plan. Okay. Mm-hmm. You got to write a business plan. It needs to be flushed out on paper, vulnerable and visible for to be scrutinized. And, 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 and also a roadmap of how your life should be led to achieve that business plan. Two, um, you're going to want to incorporate whatever way you choose. Go ahead. But it needs to take up space in our world because that now is reality. Uh, three, you have to get a team together. So whatever that team is, just make sure it's not, you know, it's not fictional. It's like a real team. Um, <laughs> develop a brand and start doing it now. Yeah. Now, the start doing it now part is where, say there's a pool of 1,000 people, maybe 500 will write a business plan. Yeah. And then the other, the other steps might get you down to like 300 people. Maybe 10 will start doing it now. And everyone's got this philosophy. You have to do it perfectly. It's got to be the right doorknob on the handle of this, this, this restroom. And like, listen, I started in a prison. Okay. And, (laughs) and that's where it began. And you just plug away at it, demonstrate that it works, make sure it is something you want to put your, you know, your, your life behind or your, your money behind, whatever it is. And now you can start to sell the idea. So whether that's fundraising or investors, but until you have those first five steps, don't ask anyone for a nickel. Yeah. uh, Because it's, you're not, you're not close to being there. Have any of your alumni started their own businesses? Oh yeah. yeah, A number of them. Yeah. I mean, there's like four or five that have brick and mortars. A number of them have like a food truck or a vending cart. So then, uh, you know, I'd say the middle of the road, like sweet spot is management in this business. Nice. And then you have some who just casually, you know, keep working, work as they need to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think you'll expand outside Ohio? We, you know, I consult a lot. So we opened up in, uh, two more restaurants, one for people in recovery and addiction about uh, an hour south of Cleveland that's thriving. We opened up a pizza shop on the west side of Cleveland. Cleveland's got east side, west side, and that's yeah. going well for the homeless population. We've worked with people in Cincinnati, San Francisco, um, Memphis, uh, you, you name it. Like if people have an idea, I'll go out there and we'll start talking shop and try to get it off the ground. That's great. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Just curious, what is the work that you're doing with the Manhattan Institute? Manhattan Institute. So um, a number of years ago, I received an award called the Richard Cornell Award for like social entrepreneurs. Congratulations. And, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And Howard Husick was really key in that one. He's uh, he, he writes for um, a number of outlets, but a very uh, big advocate for civil society. Thanks. And then they came up with uh, this, this fellowship and um, you know, I reached out and said, Hey, I'd love to be part of it. And, and let's see how civil society can expand its reach. And so their Manhattan Institute is hoping to make sure people know about other projects and how they're, they're possible so that civil society can continue to branch out and, and, and influence change. That's right. So uh, that's how we got involved. And we, we definitely get on the same page. Yeah. Again, I mean, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but looking to civil society rather than government, I think. Um, Bingo. Bingo. I think government is fine, but if you need a job done well, quickly, and at a good price, I wouldn't go with the government. Like, it's, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's not going to be your most efficient or effective solution. So I do know that there's tons of, you know, uh, great ideas and energy out there and within civil society to to work on our problems. We just need to get the government out of the way sometimes to allow people to work on it. But you certainly have done it. Like I'm super impressed. Um, I applaud you. 
It's great. And in, in 17 years since this idea, I've taken one state grant. Wow. And you know, a lot of you know a lot of organizations are like, that's what they do. It's like a bureaucracy. They use humans to fund their puzzle through government money. Like, I don't want any interference from that. Um, sure. I mean, I've known of nonprofits that do that. And then all of a sudden they find out that their line item got cut in the budget during when the legislature was negotiating and now their money's gone. I mean, just don't start with that. I don't think that that's uh, the most effective way to to really, um, you know, grow your your idea just makes you dependent, too. That's good for you. Did you do it in the beginning or did you do it later? No, we did it. It was probably maybe two or three years. It was a faith-based initiative mm. that made sense. There, was, there wasn't any strings like you have to monitor this or poke or prod a human to get this information. It was just a very, yeah. it was just a, the right fit. And, and the only other um, funds we took was through a local, I should say, I guess it's quasi like one and a half state grants. Yeah. It's through a, a local um, agency that promotes getting people back to work. And they're they're working with a huge like plethora of people, and and um, if someone comes to this program, we don't even know it. They they yeah. they give us some money, so it's not like an incentive. It's just kind of like a yeah. a surprise. You know? <laughs> um, have you thought about working at all in like Southeast Ohio and Appalachia in that area, like rural work or? Yeah, happy to. Have I mean, to. Have you thought about that? Yeah. Yeah, look, we work anywhere. I mean, I was working with Mexico City for a while. So look at the point is you need a driver. You know, Suzanne, there's so much money out there, so much real estate, so many good ideas, blah, blah, blah. If you don't have a driver and a team, the thing doesn't work. Okay. So right. when people reach out, I say, well, who's your driver? Who's going to like, okay, so who's going to like do whatever it is you're doing at, at midnight when everyone else says, I'm out of here? <laughs> who's driving this? Who's pushing this? And and that's the hardest thing is to identify those, those uh, selfless leaders. Yeah, who will live and die for the cause. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. What I like is that you're teaching the high level skills. I know. Uh, I think didn't Jamie Oliver do something in London where he um, helped homeless people? I think learn to mm. learn to cook. And I've seen some bakeries, but uh, the skills were just sort of like making bread. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I love that you're teaching yeah, yeah. these high level skills so that your graduates can actually be in the top jobs in a restaurant, not just on the line. Yeah, we want leaders. We want leader, leader, leaders. And you know, too, we got to be twice as good to be considered equal because we're looking at as less. So like we're digging ourselves out of this hole just to be considered equal. And um, in the dining room, like everything's intentional. Like I have sauce spoons on the table. Nobody knows what they're at, what they are. I mean, no, unless you're in Europe, you know what a sauce spoon looks like. And, you know, they'll ask the server, what is this? What is this? And immediately I'm doing this intentionally to drop the, um, you know, level the playing field. Like just so you know, like, yeah, it's your dining experience, but we're going to help educate you too. Like you're not coming. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting how the, um, everyone just settles in and there's not a, no, there's nothing about this. It says it's a nonprofit. We're helping people out of prison. We're just a damn good French restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. And then some people say, Oh, what do really? you mean? So that's not on your, uh, market. Nowhere. That's awesome. Nowhere, nowhere, nowhere. The idea is to just be, let our skills and, and, and just speak for themselves. But when you drop the check, it's going to ask you, you know, to leave a contribution instead of a tip. And so yeah. then people are like, huh, what does this mean? And like, I just saw it on like, um, you know, TripAdvisor, Yelp is, is the best restaurant. And then we explain to them, and then they're like totally blown away. And then some people do know about it, you know, so it works, it works all ways. How many former inmates are naming their children after you, Brandon? <laughs> I bet you've inspired a any. lot of people. Hopefully not any. <laughs> 
<laughs> they don't have them yet. All right. Well, thank you. I won't take any more time. Good luck with your phones. <laughs> and uh, thank thanks you. again for, for chatting. Mm-hmm.